Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate the space together. In this episode, you'll hear a brief introduction to the podcast, our takes on capital flows in the market at large, and fundamental triggers that are potentially driving crypto into its next stage of development and adoption. Later on, you'll hear from Sponge on his experience with automated trading strategies on various timeframes as well as Burb's feedback on automation resulting from his extensive community outreach. And finally, you'll get a few tips that each of us have for traders in the market at any level. And thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ben, joined by Sponge and our fearless leader, Crypto Burb, who you will also hear referred to as Adrian. What the Nest Show is. This is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and forex-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in order to capture opportunities in the market while protecting capital and positions along the way. What this is not, trading advice. We are not financial advisors and encourage you to seek the counsel of a licensed financial analyst before making any financial decisions. Who I am, I'm Ben. I specialize in fundamental analysis of the market. I've been in the crypto market since early 2017 and linked up with these guys just about a year ago. Moving on over to Sponge. Hi guys, I'm Sponge. I've been in the market a similar amount of time. I specialize in technical analysis content and I've been working with Bird for a short time producing analysis for his group. And Adrian. Yo, yo guys. My name is Adrian, you know, or CryptoBurb. Um, you know, what What can I say? Like, you know, I'm, I'm running a Twitter, right? <laughs> I'm the founder and, 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 and CEO of, of the Burbness brand that is going to rock all the way 2020. Uh, and this is my pleasure to be pretty much like the very first guest of, of our brand new project, brand new podcast, the next show. And, and I'm extremely excited for that. As we all are. And folks, just to let you know, if you're in our community, uh, you'll know just how active we are there. But you have no idea how much work we put in and the uh, behind the scenes action. You know, so, so what these three voices that you're hearing represent are countless hours of uh, work, of collaboration, both uh, within the community and with the other administrators of the community and countless outreach to other brands and initiative, mainly centered on the crypto space. So that's where uh, Adrian and I have been working together mainly. And, um, you know, we're really excited about the experience that we've had in the market so far and also this latest activity uh, in the market. So jumping right into it, over the last uh, couple of days, um, the markets are green. It's like uh, the rainy season. And, uh, you know, of course, the large caps have been leading the space, you know, but um, pretty much across the board, we've got green. And uh, Adrian, would you like to speak to um, any of the capital movements that we've seen? You know, obviously, these uh, crypto markets are still very nascent uh, and largely unregulated. Uh, so it can be a very exciting space. But as far as emerging trends and, you know, significant capital influx is there anything you're looking at for uh bitcoin dominance or, or other kind of capital flows within the market yeah sure so <clears throat> that's that's pretty much certain uh you know when it comes to like as, as much as i am myself uh, uh in the greatest part the technical analyst right i tend to put a lot of um 
a lot of pressure, a lot of focus on my like from my from my side um, for the intermarket analysis too, right? Apart from obvious fundamentals and sentiment part, uh, that's pretty much the 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 intermarket part that pretty much drives the whole capital around, right? Because the one of the main let's say uh, rules for like between any financial markets is that the capital flows, right? It rarely ever stays in the same place for a long time, simply. And that is why uh, to monitor what's going on within the cryptocurrency market, we need to monitor also what's outside it, right? And um, for this very reason, uh, I think recent, uh, recent fundamental, you know, events, right? Such as, for example, launching backed uh, futures and options like for the exchange, like back in September, right? Uh, or or you know, or the the upcoming mining, uh, the upcoming the upcoming uh, halving, right? Or halving. This is uh, you know two two versions, pretty much to halving or halving, as I said. Two options to to express the same event for Bitcoin. And um, recent recent fundamental factors, I think they could add they could about it pretty much like a lot of um, reason to what we are seeing right now in the market. To what to the reason that. Uh, that everything is pretty much like green, right? With Bitcoin being on the top, leading the whole crew, the whole bunch of cryptocurrencies. And um, I think, you know, when it comes to circling back to the, to the intermarket part, uh, like just look what recently, you know, happened with Bitcoin's price uh, when, you know, when there were pretty much like instabilities uh, with regard to US poly, poly, pretty much like politics and then economic pretty much... Um, connections right and that was the perfect i think example of how intermarket analysis works and, and how intermarket phenomena work pretty much um simply capital you know flows out from stocks right or flows out from uh from some uh from some other financial markets right it, it flows between them to actually reach out to uh to bitcoin in the end in this very case Right, and uh, the moment that Trump pretty much like you know announced, uh, you know, launching the missiles for uh, for uh, for Iran, right? And that was the very same time. That was the very same hour, I would say, uh, that Bitcoin pretty much like it, you know, exploded, right? It, that it printed nice big move, uh, a nice big change in the in the price uh, that we have not seen uh, for that we had not seen for 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 a longer time because we've been. Uh, before we would have been pretty much like downtrending for uh, for about like six months, right? So that was definitely a new a new period for for Bitcoin, and I'm myself like considering that to be a bullish factor, like that Bitcoin can be considered and can work uh, with um, with the help of 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 such fundamental events as I said of uh, launching the the backed options or the backed futures regulated by ACC. It can be considered a store of value, right? It can be considered a store of value in a similar way that gold is. And this is what is, I think, very bullish fundamental factor for it, because it it didn't show us uh, to confirm that once, but actually twice within uh, within the like 2019, okay, when there was uh, you know Trump announcing uh, China war back in May. Uh, Right, but it was back in May, so that was the the, the moment that Bitcoin noted extremely big influx of capital at one day, uh, and you know, not surprisingly, that was almost the very same hour as I said, 
right? So that 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 was the very same hour that the announcement came in from Trump that the that there would be you know tariffs posed on 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 China deal, let's say. So again, there's some repetitive formula, right? Whenever whenever there is some inconsistencies or or uh, or imbalance in in um, in U.S. market. To pick back up on some of the things that Adrian was mentioning. Some of the points uh, fundamentally that I'm really interested in are coming out of China. And um, yeah, obviously the uh, Iran uh, and, and Saudi infighting and how those affect uh, oil flows uh, and crude are, are instrumental to the market. But one of the factors that we see affecting crypto adoption actually started uh, some uh, decades ago with the inception of credit cards in the U.S. and the lack of credit card servicers in China. And that caused for China to have a great deal of underserved or unbanked, where it was very easy for the internet age in the U.S. to integrate uh, credit card servicers into web payment portals uh, China hasn't had that luxury, you know. So they have kind of, by necessity, been ahead of the game for, um, you know, alternative uh, uh, web pay services through uh, Alibaba and App Alipay, etc. Um, and now, of course, with Facebook somewhat pushing China's hand uh, with their uh, crypto project, you know, they obviously didn't want to, you know, lose out on you know, that kind of crypto arms race. So we've really seen them escalate their initiatives and their timetables, you know, for their, um, you know, state-issued cryptocurrency. Are there any other global fundamental um, triggers that you're looking for, uh, Sponge, if, if you don't mind taking that one? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, there's certainly one that um, I think a lot of people are talking about at the moment, which is is Craig Wright. Um Obviously, as we know, he's been uh, he's been in court, and he's been trying to prove himself as Satoshi. Um, according to a recent court filing, I say recent; it was actually yesterday. A court filing, um, a third party has provided the necessary information to unlock his encrypted files, um, which seemingly is referencing the uh, the intermediary with the private keys necessary to unlock the nine and a half billion Bitcoin drove that he's got. Um, Burb, how do you how do you feel that will affect? The market fundamentally and technically in the next few weeks throughout the history and then since the very you know launch of the bitcoin in 2008 there have been many posers there have been many you know guys that kind of like try to uh present themselves as, as satoshis right like even even when i was attending uh back in what two three months ago in, in vegas uh it was it was november uh that was on the conference, on WCC conference, World Crypto Conference. Uh, there was a guy, another guy, uh, this long hair dude. I, I, I don't even remember his name. I believe he was German. Uh, and yeah, and he was he was acting and then presenting himself, you know, on stage, etc., etc., as a Satoshi, right, as a Bitcoin co-founder. So you know, I think in in this industry, like everybody, kind of like what wants to pre like wants to pretend to be the owner or uh, on or or, uh, or founder of Bitcoin, right? Which is obviously like nonsense. Uh, but they would still uh, they would still 
um, they would still try to you know build some marketing perhaps around it, like to find some business right on it. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to strictly Craig Wright, I think hmm, you know I think this is mainly what's been happening with uh, with BS BSV right uh, this 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 BSV recently. Now that's been that's been pumping like crazy, right? In the anticipation of of pretty much uh, the community claiming for the for this type of Bitcoin to be the real Bitcoin, right? I like personally like I lose my mind whenever I see or spot anything like that uh, on the internet that people claim it to be the real Bitcoin, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Again, nonsense, right? And blind blind following, uh, blindly following crowd, I would say. But with regard to the price for Bitcoin. Um, I don't think, you know, first of all, first of all, it is the most risky financial market like in the, in the existence right now. So first rule to measure and to control any risk in this extremely volatile and risky market is to use stop losses, right? So if you don't use stop losses, you're getting lost like anyways. But if you even, you know, even if something happens terrible from the Craig side, uh you know if you get your stop losses in place if you get your stop losses in place then you're you're secured right you're protected over it so i think it may increase some volatility right it may imply some volatility uh especially when there is like some official uh statement from courts coming right but aside from that outside it i don't think it would put a lot of change to the bitcoin price yeah, and I think it just goes to show uh, how truly nascent this market is when you have a character like Craig Wright who would be laughed off of pretty much any stage in traditional financial markets. You know, he has really kind of um, uh, held headlines ransom in crypto. And, um, you know, I think that he talks a great game in terms of you know, uh, threatening that the court ruling will crash the price of Bitcoin because he has to liquidate half of the uh, holdings in order to, uh, you know, pay XYZ estate. And, you know, I, I think that it's, uh, it's, it makes for some, uh, you know, interesting sound bites. Um, but I think that, you know, really uh, what we've seen on display isn't the work of, you know, uh, Satoshi-esque genius, but uh, more so um, the work of a grifter. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I think that, again, it just goes to show uh, just how young the tr uh, market truly is. Um, another factor that I'm looking at in terms of uh, global capital flows are, of course, uh, the equity markets uh, and, and legacy markets. And, you know, here in the U.S., um, you know, the Fed has, uh, you know, continued to pump um, uh, a vast amount of capital into these markets. Um, and, you know, one could you know, suppose that they're propping them up, but uh, it, they're, of course, as in any market cycle, will be a uh, definitive correction. And looking at Bitcoin, uh, crypto, and other traditional stores of value, especially precious metals, you know, we see that uh, comparatively speaking, uh, platinum, gold are uh, underbought compared to um, uh, equities and their legacy counterparts. So I think that 
of course, while the game continues to be hot in the global markets, we'll see um, you know capital uh, try to squeeze as much profit uh, there as they can. But what we're starting to see are um, what I would call some very favorable conditions where um, you have the kind of uh, capital movements in crypto that uh, capture global attention and says, hey, this, uh, this market is still viable. Uh, and even though there are, you know, characters like uh, Craig Wright and other, um, you know, suspicious activity, you know, like the in solar news today, which we'll cover in just a little bit, uh, which would have, you know, traditional markets kind of scratching their heads. Um, it goes without saying that there's tremendous opportunity here. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, wherever there's, you know, there's uh, overnight, you know, 25, 50%, 100% markups, um, it really captures the imagination of the retail investor. And, um, you know, uh, I think that we can all speak to that because uh, I don't think there's a um, speaker or listener of this podcast who would be in the markets if our uh, imagination wasn't uh, captured by both you know, the promise of crypto as, as well as, you know, financial gain in a, in a speculative manner. So at any rate, um, you know, Craig Wright is, uh, he's a character. I'll give him that much, but, um, I would, uh, if I were a betting man, I would take, um, uh, very, um, hefty odds that, uh, he will never, um, unlock any of Satoshi's wallets. And, um, We'll continue eating out on that uh, uh, notion for as long as he can until uh, he's no longer um, even a footnote uh, in the development of the markets. So I'd like to transition um, into a next part of the show, which is to discuss some of the daily trading habits uh, of our experts here. So Sponge, uh, you've been uh, using you know various um, algorithmic trading and uh, automated trading techniques in the market for some time. Um, and, you know, as, as myself and many others could probably speak to, you know, the, the notion that um, an auto or an automatic strategy can be successful in this market to capture all that volatility is really attractive. But of course, um, you know, with as much as volatility can uh, earn you, uh, it can also bite you. Yeah. So what, what has your experience been on the automated front and uh, what are you looking at moving forward? Well, so I, um, I started automating or at least looking into automation um, sort of early last year. And in that time, um, I wrote several indicators and then eventually came to the point where I've just started automating trading. And if anything, I found it to be hands down the most beneficial thing I've done for my trading in years. Um, there's, there's several reasons for it. I mean, the, just the the main factor in it that, that helps you out as a trader is the fact that uh, you can trade without emotions now. So um, the algorithm, it doesn't care what you think. It doesn't care, you know, if you had enough sleep that day, how your diet's been, you know, all those things. And it, it will just uh, it will just make trades on your behalf. And it's it's as long as you've back tested it and it's reliable, you can you can rely on it. The um, the first sort of hurdle I had in terms of algorithmic trading was trusting the algorithm. 
um, which sounds ridiculous because it's, you know, I know how it works. It's set up and it's back tested, but you always have that, that certain fear just at the start. But um, after a few weeks and, uh, and a few test test weeks on, uh, on, uh, on BitMEX there trading a few things, trade started rolling in successfully and it's, uh, it's just been a, a wonder all year. It's freed up so much of my time, which is why I've been able to, uh, to come along and, and work with Burb, which has been great as well. Um, yeah, it's great. It's just, it's just like having an edge, but not having to actually work. Yeah, Sponge, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. And, uh, uh for our listeners, um, how are you specifically, uh, automating your strategies? You know, like, are you automating through a, um, uh, you know, through a, a private platform or through a, a, a telegram enabled bot, um, you know, like, like a Cornix or, or some such, uh, how are you going about that? So right now, um, I'm actually automating them through, through trading view. Um, I get alerts sent to a bot, which, um, I'm not sponsored for saying this, but I'll shill it anyway, cause it's excellent. It's a bot called Jewbot. Um, a lot of people use something called auto view to automate their trading view strategies. Um, I've heard a few sort of varying reviews on it. So I thought I'd search out something better and someone I, I know recommended Jewbot to me and, and it's just been excellent. It hasn't missed a beat since I started. Um, and so the way it works is that I, I, I set my alerts on my, on my trading view indicators that I've made and they get sent over to Jewbot and that will execute the, tr- the trades for me through API. Um, I am currently working on, um, or working with a Python developer who's going to be, um, setting up a, a brand new application that I'll be able to automate trading through, um, which, which should be quite a promising prospect for the next, next couple of years. Um, I'm not sure how long it will be till that's, till that's out, but that's the next step. Certainly. Right on. And, uh, as far as your automated strategies go, um, there are so many traders, uh, especially in a market as, um, volatile as crypto who, you know, feel compelled to capture, um, you know, as much volatility as they can, you know, trading on, um, you know, the minute charts, you know, or through another platform, you know, trading on, uh, even smaller timeframes, um, you know, like almost like they would binary options, um, with, with your strategies, did you test, you know, shorter time frames, or are you mainly on like a four hour or daily? Like, are you capturing large swings or are you, are you scalping or does it depend from, from, uh, you know, vehicle to vehicle? Uh, how do you go about that? Um, so I'm, I'm basically most, most of my trading is, um, is midterm swings. So I'll, I'll trade stuff like the four hour or the, I've got one algorithm that's working on the two hour. It's currently long at the moment from seven, three, three, six, and it hasn't closed yet. And we're up 20% from that one, which is great. Um, but I have, I have dabbled with lower time frames. Um, I did work on some one minute stuff and I've worked on, on timeframes around that. But, but personally I find it's, it's better to, uh, to stay away from the high frequency trading. Cause there's already enough guys, you know, smashing that out of the park and, I don't think I could compete in those waters. So I, um, I have the lowest time frame algorithm I have now is, is a 15 minute one, which, um, which is highly successful in itself. And I just sort of stay away from all the, all the low time frames. It's just not worth, um, getting too involved. And you get a lot of, uh, a lot of money taken away from you in fees if you're trading sort of one minute time frames. So, so personally, it's not, it's not for me. That's true. And that, that was going to be my, uh, my up question as to whether or not in your, uh, higher time frame work if you always seek to 
uh, enter as a uh, a maker or as a taker, uh, where where you would um, you know pay the uh, fees to the exchange. Um, yeah, so I I tend to go with limit orders. Try and try and be a maker if I can. Um, occasionally, if uh, if it's getting if the algorithm's getting choked at the uh, at the exchange, it will just market order straight in. Um, so I might sometimes pay higher fees, but because of the way that I'm trading, because I'm trying to trade longer swings, I'm t- I tend to be in a, in a trade for an average of 30 days or 31 days, I believe is the average trade at the moment. Um, I tend to catch sort of fairly large swings, so I'm, I'm not too worried about the fees personally. Um, I'd say that's more a concern for the lower time frame people. And uh, Adrian, you do a lot of uh, private coaching and, and one-on-ones with your clients. And in addition to that, you also interact uh, voraciously on Twitter with some of the uh, people who have reached out to you. Um, how, how many would you say, um, you know, peak interest on automated trading or, you know, have shared uh, horror stories about, um, you know, being turned around on the market? You know, what, what's, uh, what's the general, general take there? Well, that is a very good question, to be honest. No, because any technical analysis book, if you go and open that, and uh, like apart from the fact that you know there are some basic principles that are uh, similar to every technical analysis te- te- theory, let's say, uh, in every book almost you would find a chapter that would be solely uh, about automated trading as the most suggested way to go, right? And this is to filter out, to filter off um, pretty much emotional aspect, right? Because this is what, what pretty much like uh, defines us as people uh, to be, uh, to be, you know, to be traders, right? That we are being emotional and that is our greatest, um, like us being emotional is our greatest enemy. So we ended up, uh, we end up being our greatest enemies at the same time when it comes to trading. So any technical book would go and suggest automated trading uh, as the ultimate solution to go and follow. And um, so now there is a way and there is like the whole process of, of, of pretty much like reaching the point that you have constructed satisfying um, automated well, automated trading system, right? Or algorithm. There are, you know, some whole, you know, the whole banking industry, right, is cooperating strongly with with AI industry to merge forces and to actually just go and implement uh, artificial intelligence uh, into into financial markets and then tracking and recording the financial markets and automating actual trades, right? Because one thing is trading with a couple of hundred bucks, right? That if you lose, I don't know, you lose like 50 bucks or 100 bucks, or even if you lose the damn whole 500 bucks, whatever, then it's still in, like incomparable for, for within the banking industry when you lose on a bad bet. Uh, let's say millions or even billions, right? So that is extremely important to have a good automated system in place that will be 100% reliable um, and, and self-improving based on the AI. Uh, that is like, that's been pretty much trending within the banking industry, I think. And when it comes to Twitter community solely, um, I think as any as any other aspect in this world, uh, it would always be statistically proven to be the bell curve, to be the normal distribution pattern. And which means that there would always be the people who are underperforming, there would always be people who are overperforming, uh, and, and there would always be the people who are 
you know, pretty much like oscillating around the average when it comes to their performance in any field, including trading, which means that majority, vast majority of trading, uh, of trading people uh, would be uh, on, would be of average education, of average skills, of average, you know, experience, etc., etc. right? So there would always be only a few people in the market that would be professionals that would be trading for, you know, for years, that would be very experienced and knowing, you know, having all the greatest strategies in place, using very often, as I said, uh, the actual automated systems. And uh, the whole thing, you know, what I what I love about TA, what I love about technical analysis and how it beautifully wraps up with, with all, all the other uh, financial market analysis aspects is that the crowd is always blind, right? There's always like, you know, this herd instinct that people would follow. Like if, if, the, if, if some strong, you know, character, if some strong, um, let's say authority shows them the direction they would go and follow that blindly, right? So the whole thing is that you need to know where to kind of like, um, when to follow the crowd, when to actually just uh, unfollow the crowd, if you know what I mean, right? And um, so there would always be like, why am I saying all that? Twitter is mainly consisting of those average experience, average, you know, features people, right? They would always come there to find and, you know, build perhaps some knowledge, to build some, to find some education, to, educational resources following, for example, people like me, right? That we are, uh, you know, developing the, the Nest brand pretty much to go and deliver huge amounts, huge tones of, of, of free content that people would go and simply take and enjoy to learn, right? And um, this way, this way, by the admiration, by following those, as I call it, like opinion makers at, time, at times, uh, they... Mm, I would say they are making their own they are making their decisions based on the opinions of the people whom, whom you know who are being followed, right? So if I, for example, go and tweet out some setup, right? The uh, there is like quite some chance that there would be a couple of guys that would literally blindly follow me, right? As much as any other guy or or even more some some OGs on the market, right? And um, so knowing that average, not the, that the vast majority is of average skills, average experience and all that, and all that, etc., um, the majority would not be interested in automated trading. They would go and try to, you know, despite being extremely exhausted after regular nine to five, you know, taking care of their families, very often drowning in debts, right? Um, they are bearing huge emotional pressure. Um, and choose still to go and trade themselves, right? Uh, instead of actually relying, as Sponge said, on, on the automated system, which is not true case either. Um, but all in all, all in all, people would only like a few, I would say, mm, this is the minority. This is the minority, and I would say this is the minority that is actually just overperforming the market on like the, 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 mar average, mar the average market, right? Uh, and they are overperforming, like include because they they use the automated trading systems too. So um, I would say that huge majority, vast majority, would not go and use automated trading systems. Firstly, because they might 
will be aware of existence for, for, for the such systems. Secondly, they would be uh, too emotional on that, right? They, they would be very, I would say, what? Now, there are two emotional states of, of like in, in, in human nature that, that are mainly dri driving the whole market back and forwards. And that would be the greed and that would be the fear, right? And that these are the greatest enemies. These are the greatest drivers for any kind of, you know, trader. And uh, simply people are too greedy or too much. And they have too much fear to use the systems, right? They are too greedy. They, they get too complacent. And they won't use the automated system because they are too, too good for that, right? And if they fear... They, they, would, they would not pretty much either go to the automated trading system because, you know, the, fate is, the, the whole fate is at their hands, right? They would not really want to rely on automated trading system. So it's all emotional gaming this part. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's truly fascinating because uh, you, you bring up uh, a number of great points there. You know, one, uh, th say, for instance, the community on Twitter um, uh, can be so reactive, you know, and... And a marketplace where vying for attention becomes an arms race of stimulation. You know, people require uh, greater and greater um, uh, stimulus in order to um, uh, react to something or in order for uh, something to grab their attention. Um, and uh, I think that people should, should take a, a hard look at their strategy and realize that at the end of the day, whether or not a system is um, performed on your behalf, uh, you're still in an automated system. You yourself as a trader, because uh, as a, as an as an operating system, uh, as a human, you know you've uh, you've programmed yourself to react to certain stimulus and respond to certain stimulus, you know, and uh, require certain thresholds uh, to meet triggers and engage reaction and it's it's important to understand your own mechanism uh in in order to be successful in the market and i feel like what automated uh traders what traditional automated tra traders do really well is identify you know their their parameters for a successful trade and they uh they log and they back test and they look at uh, the information that will uh, over the course of time, you know, uh, put them into that 10%, which is making 90% of the returns on the market, as opposed to being the 90% of traders um, who uh, inevitably uh, lose. All right, guys, as we close out our episode, I'd like to take a, a moment to uh, thank our listeners for all being here and, uh, and give Sponge and Burb the opportunity to share um, hot takes or anything that uh, they're looking forward to in the market or tips that they have for traders. And I'll start by saying, traders out there in crypto, uh, remember, uh, we're in this for the long haul. Uh, and you know, the more time that uh, we have the opportunity to accumulate positions uh, and, and capitalize on those positions, the better. So in terms of trading, Keep it simple and keep your eye on the prize and do not, whatever you do, do not get washed out by overextended positions. Uh, Sponge, would you like to add to that? Yeah, I'd say um, 
my my hottest tip I could possibly give anyone listening, um, particularly inexperienced traders, there's just three things. I'd say you need to learn to be patient, you need to wait for confirmation, and you need to manage your risk. Um, the market's not going anywhere. Um, I, th- I think a lot of people, as you said earlier, you were talking about stimuli. I think uh, a lot of new traders and, e- and even some experienced traders will uh, find themselves zooming into to very low timeframes and and just looking for things that aren't aren't necessarily there. You know, it's very easy to get get yourself down to the five minute chart or the fifteen minute chart, see a spike and just go, wow, oh my god, I, I've got to get into this, I've got to get into this, and and you you go in, you don't manage the risk, you get a bad entry, and then you zoom out and you realize that was a 0.5% move or something. And uh, I think I think a lot of people should uh, should sort of try to sort of self-regulate them, their uh, their trading and and their and their risk management. And just you know, most traders, particularly as you said, the uh, the 90% that that lose money would uh, would do far better to uh, watch the weekly charts and and the high timeframes and and just steer clear of of actually trading themselves. Just just try and catch the the momentum on on the longer runs. Amen. And Adrian, on to you. I think personally, you know, the most important feature, like uh, characterizing the successful traders, is having the strategy in place, right? Having the strategy that stems from your actual um, reasoning, which means that let's say um, you will never be a good trader. You will never be a good trader if you can afford time-wise. Um, only let's say midtime from trading, right? Or position trading on the longer longer periods, and you for some reason, uh, in the name of um, in the name of some you know some stereotypes that let's say if you're not scalping like on, on the hundred leverage times 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 hundred leverage, uh, like one minute degenerate candles, then you cannot really dare yourself to call dare to call yourself a trader, and that is obviously nonsense, right? Like if you go and watch the most successful traders, I don't know, be it Warren Buffett, do you really think he would ever go and sit in his basement closed like 24 hours per day to go and watch daily or like on the, on the daily basis, one minute charts, one minute candles to go and play. Oh shit, now I'm going long. Dave, now I'm going short, right? Okay, here I got stopped. Uh, there is no way, right? The actual, the, actually the less moves, the fewer moves you, you actually take or perform the better for you because you have more time to uh to think about it. you have more time to uh simply you know to put your time aside to another matters right to another ways and another streams to actually manage your money and build your wealth not only in trading right i mean there are always there are many many ways you can um there are many ways um you know we can make money it's not necessarily only financial markets like you can do any type of business so uh like one of the main rules of any portfolio management uh is pretty much diversification right so we go and diversify into different markets not only uh not only financial markets right or even within the financial markets you don't really want to spend your whole life uh within the most volatile market in the world like being stressed out like whole time uh, but you would go and, you know, when you have built some capital, you would go and distribute it on, amongst different markets, big, for example, uh, real estate, right? Or commodities or Forex, you know, etc., etc. So knowing yourself, what you can afford with your resources, what you can afford with your human resources to what I mean, uh, this is, this is what I mean. Um, and knowing yourself deeply 
like in terms of your strengths and your weaknesses and boosting your strengths uh, to, to help you reach your success and, uh, and pretty much like, you know, mitigating the impact of, of, of your weaknesses, right? This is like what I think leads you in the quickest and the fastest way to reach your success and the success, um, like for any, this is actually another tip about, apart from knowing yourself, I think it's crucial and hugely important to know definitions of words that you are using. I think like if you go and research, I think like 90% of people would have no idea about, you know, how to define things that they, you know, pretty much like uh, have any contact with. So let's say if they go and touch trading. So the firstly you need to understand and realize what the trading is, right? How can you be successful trader not knowing what trading is, not really being able to define it at any time and point? So uh, being able to, in the same way to define your strengths and weaknesses, right? To define what your success is, right? Because your the whole situation is in building wealth is that you define your input situation, you define your set of of the input data that you are like having at this point in time. Now, uh, and you, when you know what you want to achieve, your output data, right? You you know where you want to be in some time and place. Now, uh, well, like what experience you want to build, what you are trying to achieve, only then you can arrange the process that will take you from the input situation to the output. And this process is a strategy, right? And only by being able to define things and matters that you're dealing with uh, in a good way and manner, only then can really be successful. Amen. And finally, guys, uh, for our listeners out there who would like to connect with you on Twitter or otherwise, I'm just going to... Uh, um, give you an opportunity to identify yourselves and your handles. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's just at SpongeCoinBob. Um, yeah, give me a follow and, and we'll talk. <laughs> that's a good show, bro. That's a good show. <laughs> that's my that's my best my best go at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good show. That's a good show. Uh, so my my tag would be crypto on this call, burp like. B-R, B-I-R-B, not with the D at the end, right? That's that's the unique part. Definitely, uh, you know, I feel extreme pleasure and honor to be working with uh, with, with Ben and with Sponge. Like, they're awesome guys. Uh, and uh, definitely go and make sure to give them all a follow. This is an extremely talented beast. Um, and what, what else, uh, like, before we actually just, you know, hop off, um, I think we need to really put some information that majority of most important parts that you can go and actually just absorb for free to find in, in the pieces of content that I made that we produce within the Nest is one, one of the projects is the Burnest Bulletin, right? So with, we've been, this is a monthly, one monthly issued in a project. We are, um, producing that monthly. This is completely free of cost. You know, you just go and read it. And of course, I am at Benjamin T1717, or you may uh, know my handle as uh, Tales from the Crypto. I want to thank you and, of course, our speakers, Sponge and CryptoBurb Adrian, for joining us in our first episode of The Nest Show. If you've liked what you've heard today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbnest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community we welcome you to join at theburbnest.com slash Discord. 
We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at theburbnest.com slash bulletin. Again, that's theburbnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community and are happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on.